Gap Year Universe. I'm Julia Rogers. And I'm Margot Brookfield. Welcome to Gap Year Radio, the show that brings you information and inspiration to plan a life-changing gap year experience. We are recording today in beautiful, yet rainy, Sausalito, California, where we are bringing on Holly Morrison from Art History Abroad to talk all things Italy, France, London, art, architecture, India. We cover a lot. It is such a pleasure to have Holly here today. Um, Julia and I have both been traveling with her for a number of years now on the Gap Fair circuit. And though I've known her for years, it is super fun just to hear her talk more in depth about her passions for art history, how it impacted her own personal journey and life, and now the impact she is in turn having on her students that she's able to tutor through the program. Let's just get right to it. Thanks for being here and welcome to the pod. Thanks so much for being on the podcast, Holly. Thanks so much for having me, guys. Yeah, welcome. So we are all here currently on the road for the USA Gap Year Fairs, and Julia and I have both been traveling with Holly for the past, I guess for me, this is my fourth year traveling on the circuit with Holly, and I think longer even for Julia, so... I have, I have seen many versions of Holly in that I've, I've been working with Art History Abroad for a really long time, so I've met many of your tutors that have come and moved on and are doing really great things in art history in other ways and so but it's been yeah I think that I've known you since you started on the a U.S. circuit for sure. Yes that was five years ago I started coming out to America so it's been a while yeah. Yeah that's great and right now we are recording on a rainy day in Sausalito California and it feels like we should be living the Californian dream but it's a little bit of a rainy day. Is this Margot as someone who has lived in California is this typical? Well what's funny is when I was living in California it was probably the height of the drought so though from my understanding February is typically the rainy month I did not experience much rain in February <laughs> the years that I lived in San Francisco but my sister's been in the Bay for 17 years and she's had to have a ha- happy lamp for every year in February because it gets oh, so wow. rainy so it's <laughs> actually it's quite good that we're getting this rain but a bit unfortunate since normally California is like our summer camp at the end of the fair circuit so it's <laughs> a little less campy than I was hoping for but well, that's okay I got to bring a rain jacket rather than a down sleeping bag that I normally have to wear at this time of year so I'm I'm psyched no no complaints on this side of the, the room <laughs> awesome well so just to jump right into it Holly I remember a few years back you mentioning to me this sort of saying that your mom had told you back when you were planning your own personal gap year of splitting that into three separate sections in order to fulfill different needs during a gap year or kind of a mantra that I think could be beneficial for any time of someone's life so was just curious and it has always stuck with me and I was really impacted by it. So I was wondering if you could elaborate for us what those three segments are, as well as how that informed what you ended up doing on your own personal gap year. Yeah, absolutely. I'm so pleased to hear that my mom's mantra (laughs) stuck with you. (laughs) Uh, um, So I was really, I guess I was really lucky. Both my parents took gap years of sorts when they were students. And so uh, when myself and all my siblings were growing up, it was always in the books. We knew we were going to take gap years and wherever we traveled as a family, we'd always have that in mind and think, oh, do we want to come back here and work here in our gap year? And where do we want to go? And what do we want to see? That kind of thing. Um, But my mom had always had this idea that you should split that time into three different different things and that's 
something for your mind, so something academic, something for your soul, so giving back to the community, and something for your heart, just something you've always wanted to do. And it worked perfectly for, for all of us. We all picked something academic, so we came out with some sort of educational that we could take with us and use in the future. So for me, that was art history abroad. And then for my service work, I went to Zanzibar and I worked on a community project there teaching English to adults and little kids. And then the thing I'd always wanted to do, I grew up in Asia and I'd never really seen snow and I was really obsessed with polar bears. And I wanted to go and work at an Arctic research center where I could spend some time in really cold weather. And I got to work with uh, scientists who were doing lots of research into climate change and polar bears and all of that. So something I didn't really know anything about, but I got to learn a huge amount while I was out there. Inquiring minds want to know, did you see a polar bear in the wild? I saw so many polar bears in the wild. Wow. Um, I think I, I, kept a, a, <laughs> I kept a tally while I was out there, which I haven't really thought about until now, so that's kind of embarrassing. But I think I saw about 40 polar bears while I was out there. And um, we were, the, the, the research centre was out in the middle of the Arctic tundra. And I remember really vividly one evening after dinner, we were all in the back labs where they had kind of pool tables and darts, and it's really not a lot to do in the Arctic tundra. They didn't have, there's no cell towers out in this little town. Um, so there was not really any internet or anything like that to play on. So we had to pass time playing darts, really. Which I wasn't very good at, but I do remember a polar bear trying to break through the corrugated iron wall of the labs that we were in. So it was only about four inches from us, which was slightly terrifying. It all ended happily. You didn't get eaten on your gap year. No, but it was, it was an interesting experience. Oh my gosh. And having heard this story of your gap year a few years back, for some reason, the research in the Arctic tundra had not stuck with me. So when it came up again earlier this week, when we were traveling together, I was shocked to understand that you'd spent nearly three months in, what is it, northern Canada? Yes. Completely out there in this really remote area doing that. So I think that obviously speaks to you know, checking something off your bucket list and something really unique on a gap year experience. Mm. Is that a program that, that people can join or is that a connection that you had? It was something I found online. I think my mom was the one who, who came across it. She's brilliant at, at research and she was so helpful with all of us when we were trying to think of, of unique things to do. And it's not a gap year program, but it's something you can sign up to volunteer at this Arctic Research Centre. So I was the youngest volunteer by quite a long way. And as a volunteer, you're really just, I mean, I was making beds and washing dishes and not doing anything hugely exciting in itself. But it meant that when I did have time off, I could go out with the scientists and do the grunt work but but by you know putting thermometers in the ground or they would explain it to me and I got to learn a lot from them and they were giving lectures at this research center so I could take part in those and I filled up a whole notebook with notes that I'd taken during their lectures and on what they were researching and learning about all of that. That's really cool. So tell us a little bit about how your journey kind of looped back to art history abroad because now you're a tutor for them even though you went with them on your gap time so obviously you had a good experience personally but how did you end up working for them yeah great question when I I remember doing my six weeks of art history abroad and I started in Venice and I knew on about day three that this is exactly what I wanted to do when I graduated from university and I very clearly remember asking my tutor how she had got the job and sure enough, three years later, I got in touch with her again and said, nope, I, I still want to do this. I want to come back and work for Art History Abroad. How do I go about getting a job with them? So it had always been on my mind since taking the program that I wanted to, if I was going to get a degree in art history, then there'd be nothing better to do with that degree than to be in Italy, seeing the art every day and getting young people excited and enthusiastic about art history. So I came back pretty much straight after graduation. I did a, a four-year degree in art history and I started about two months after graduating, 
in Italy and I was, uh, I was, I was shadowing other teachers and, and now I'm teaching, yeah, pretty much on all the gap year courses. Oh, very cool. I love that. And I, I think that there's something to be said for having been a student on a program and then coming back to be an instructor or leader on that program. I think it definitely gives you a leg up maybe to, to others that would have been applying for that job, obviously. But I'm curious for you, having studied art history in college, and obviously that's your passion, what exactly is it about that that lights your fire? And kind of on the flip side of that, what do you think it is that AHA students come away from after a course? Okay, so with art history, you're talking about politics, philosophy, theology. We're talking about engineering and science and geometry even. So we're talking about the optics of of how you look at art and why it's so important and the psychology behind it as well. So whatever you've studied, whatever you're interested in, you're coming to art history and you've got something to bring to the table, even if you've never studied art before. And that's why we love having such a range of students. And we do get kids coming from STEM backgrounds, people who are going into medicine or engineering or computer science, and students who are going in to dedicate their lives to the art world. And all of them find this kind of leveling ground in Italy, where whatever we're looking at, they can they can tell us something from their world of knowledge and make make it exciting and I'm learning from students all the time too um so it's brilliant and I think that's that's such a cool thing about art history is that it really is for everyone but not enough people know that about the subject Uh, and I think what what they take away from it that was a, a really nice question to ask is these tools that you can use all the time in in everyday life. And one of the most important ones is to have a critical eye, I think. And we need that so much today in in this world where we're bombarded by imagery. And if you have studied imagery and you know how to dissect a painting or a photograph or even a building and you know why it was built and the propaganda behind it or the the kind of the bias behind it or the religion or the symbolism, whatever it is, then you can go into today's world where we're constantly scrolling through Instagram and media and have a more critical eye and really kind of separate the the fact from the fiction and I think that's yeah really important and and for for you guys and for me and we're living in in worlds you know the UK and the US we're so divided right now and being able to know what we're looking at when we read the news and when we see these images and these you know these really set up photo shoots and whatever it is and presidential campaigns it is so important to be able to look at that with this critical eye and yeah so I think having these skills can take you so far but not many people realize that about art history. Yeah, I, I love that. I, I think that every time I'm next to an art history abroad table, I learn something new about um, how <laughs> art really kind of seeps into every aspect. And I think that that is one of the, I guess, maybe not misunderstood, but just unknown things about mm-hmm. the importance of art history and um, in all those other disciplines. So that's really neat. Um, yeah, I certainly would not have realized that. And I think even just hearing you say it now puts a lot of perspective to what I might have personally, in, in a very naive way, assumed to be a very one-sided subject and not realizing how much of that can be intertwined into everyday life and providing, especially gap year students with so many different tools and skills to move forward in the world um, and think critically and question things more so than they would have otherwise. It's really inspiring. Yeah. And I think what, what we talk about so much in the gap year world is understanding different perspectives. And you can get that from lots of different ways and from traveling to countries with cultures that you've never seen before and learning about new religions and also through art. And we're always talking about different perspectives. And sometimes that's a historical perspective because, you know, you really can't understand a Caravaggio painting or a third century church <laughs> unless you, you know the world in which it was built and understand the way that people would have approached it at that time. It reminds me, I was an English major, and that's a kind of a similar, that's one of the things I appreciated about 
learning about poetry and learning about different types of literature is the historical context in which it was created and how that really paints a picture. In the same way that learning a foreign language, you learn about a culture through learning about how they communicate. And so it's just these all these things kind of intertwine in such a fascinating way and is one of those things that once you build that critical eye skill set, you take that with you wherever you go after your, your gap year. So yeah, absolutely. So I want you to tell uh, the audience a little bit about the structure of our history abroad, because one of the neat things about what you guys offer is the fact that you can join a summer course, you can also do a semester course or pieces of a semester course. So tell us a little bit about where you go at, at Our History Abroad. And also, I know you guys are launching a new semester program in 2020 or... 2021. 2021. So maybe just glaze over that a little bit too. So focus on the European stuff, but I also want you to just touch on the new location. <laughs> Very exciting. Yes. So uh, traditionally, I mean, AHA has been going for um, <clears throat> 35 or so years now. And our traditional course runs in Italy and it's six weeks long. And we, as we got more interest from US students, they wanted something longer and they wanted to see more of Europe. So about seven or eight years ago, we extended our six week trip to be a full 12 week or three month semester course in the fall. And that is our most popular course with American students. But the idea or the philosophy behind AHA is that we are traveling and seeing art and architecture and studying culture and language and philosophy and politics and all of those other things I mentioned. And we're doing it on site. So we're not in a classroom. We're not assessing students. There's no homework. There's no exam at the end. There's really no pressure on the students to learn. We want to make learning really fun and and, and excite students about education again. And I think a lot of students, both in the UK and the US and probably all over the world, are feeling really burnt out after high school and have sort of lost that understanding of why they're really learning in the first place and why they should be enthusiastic about it or grateful for, for their education. So what we want to do is just get people super excited to be out there and be curious all the time because learning is something we take with us for the rest of our lives. So through studying on site in museums and galleries in ancient Roman ruins, we'll be in cathedrals and churches and underground catacombs, wherever the art or the history is, we're going to be walking around it and really experiencing it. And, um, and we teach in small groups. So there's no more than nine students to an AHA tutor. And we want that to, we'll, we are there as teachers, we're there to provide uh, or to sort of lead discussion and we want the students to really participate in those sessions and we keep them small for that reason but also so that we can get really up close and personal to the artwork and we're not a big sort of cumbersome <laughs> group traveling through museums so that's that's the sort of philosophy behind it but as we go we're going to be seeing everything from the big blockbuster stuff in the vatican and michelangelo's david and botticelli's birth of venus and all the stuff that we've seen on a million postcards to the really off the beaten track sites and we'll get buses up into the the mountains outside of naples to a beautiful monastery called subiaco which I don't think I've ever, no one's ever heard of before. Um, and it's where St. Benedict was a hermit in a cave, which was later turned into a church and a monastery. And it's mm. one of the most beautiful places in Italy. And we'll take students to places that they probably would never see otherwise. And they get certain kind of private access and behind the scenes viewings of things. So those are the bits that really, I really remember from being a student was going into St. Mark's Basilica in Venice when it was dark and no one else was there. And in the daytime, it's filled with a million tourists. And in, at nighttime, obviously, that square is emptied out. And we got to go in, just 11 of us, 
and they slowly turn on all the lights in these amazing golden mosaic domes above us and we all just lay on the floor and watched this basilica come to light and it was one of the most extraordinary experiences of the trip. And every time, and I take students there on almost every trip now, and it's still, I have that same feeling where you just get shivers, and it is so cool that they get to do that. Um, and I think that's, yeah, so that's the, the idea is we want to show students a different side of Italy. So they'll see everything that you absolutely must see as an art historian, but lots of different things that people don't usually look at on the, mm. on the usual tourist trail. And you guys also spend time in France and London. Yeah, so on our semester course, we start with two weeks in the UK, and uh, and we're really thinking about the themes of politics and power and monarchy there. So we'll take students to the Houses of Westminster, and we will talk about Parliament, and we'll talk about the British political system. We're going to go and see Shakespeare at the Globe, we'll see some contemporary theatre, we'll take advantage of the fact that there is no language barrier in London for our students and see as much comedy and music and theatre as we can in the evenings and spend the days looking at all of the fantastic art that London has to offer. And that's a lot of contemporary art. They have open house where you can go around and see um, amazing architecture and get inside these buildings that are not usually open to the public. And then we go into the countryside for a few days and catch our breath because London is really hectic <laughs> and exhausting. And we spend a few days sort of, I suppose, practicing mindfulness in a way. We're trying to get students to be creative and to, to reflect on everything that they've just spent the last almost two weeks seeing. So that might be creative writing or drawing or poetry or music, whatever their outlet is, then they can they can sort of direct their creativity through that. Uh, and that is something we really want to foster on programs is, is creativity. And we give all of our students a sketchbook and a set of watercolors at the beginning of the programs, but we also encourage them to pursue a personal project throughout the course. Um, that can be whatever they want. We've had students who just take pictures of all the food they eat. <laughs> and we've had students who've written a whole book of poetry, who journal everything they see, who photograph every, um, every building and write about the photographs and the architecture and whatever it is. They can do whatever they like. And actually one of my favourites was last year on a summer course, on a, one of our longer summer courses, we had two students who were from different sides of the world, a girl from Pennsylvania and a guy from the UK, and they were both musicians and they did quite a different style of music, but they brought guitars when they were out in Venice because they missed their instruments so much and they travelled all around Italy and wrote music together and then performed it for us in the evenings, cool. which was so That's special. super awesome. Um, so they sort of wrote a nice little set of, uh, of lyrics that matched everywhere we were going in Italy, which was very cool. That's super awesome. And so, and you asked about France as well. And oh, we yeah. so, so after the UK, we then go to Paris for a week and study modernism. And then to the south of France, we take a train all the way down to Nice. And we spend about five days in Nice looking again at modernism, at artists like Picasso and Matisse. And, uh, and thinking about the time they spent down by the water and being inspired by the beautiful quality of light down there. Oh, and then also, yeah, what is on deck for this upcoming program in a new location for 2021? Right, so we are launching a program to India. It's going to be six weeks in the spring from January through to March. And the idea behind this course is it's a little bit different to our other programs that we've been running in Europe. It's a bit more modern focused. We know lots of students want to travel to India and there's so many exciting things to do there that are already covered by all the other great gap year programs out there. So our director, Nick Ross, wanted to do something with a little bit of a different spin to it and really study the culture of India because not many people are really talking about that. And as it's this big emerging superpower, I guess it's one of the, the BRIC countries and there's lots of different university 
and uh, and college and even high school and gap programs that talk about Brazil and China and Russia, but no one's really talking about India. And if you want to go into business, you want to go into international relations and politics and anything that's sort of forward thinking, then you really should be knowing about India in this day and age. And that's where the idea of this course was born from. So we'll be talking about everything from the history, the culture, the religion, the art, the architecture, Bollywood dancing, but also talking about their ideas and sustainability and ecology, the water systems of India, the economics today, the politics today, and everything else that you really need to know about to understand it as a country. It's a program that I would like to go on. <laughs> Maybe I can just take a long break from work. <laughs> I know, I know. After we, Whenever we talk to a program provider or a student, Basically, whenever we record an episode of this, I kind of want to do whatever it is we're, we're hearing about because it all sounds Same. so interesting and fun. So I have had many students do art history abroad, and they have been transformative experiences. As a tutor, you get to see that in real time. So what are, I mean, do you, are there students who stick out in your memory as, you know, who have interesting stories or people who just you remember or still follow and you can see that arc of how they transform in art history abroad and then what they're still doing? Yes, so many students. I think, I mean, we, we're all in, still in touch through social media in one form or another. And it's always really cool to see what they do. And it's so often, I mean, it might not be related to art history, but the skills they've got from it, or even just their time on their gap year, the kind of the confidence that they grew and the independence that they developed over that time away, just really takes them so far. And I think um, there's definitely a few students who stick out in my mind who came on the course with crippling shyness or anxiety or something like that. And we were so worried about them at the beginning and making sure that they were okay and they'd fit in. By the end of the course, they'd made some of the best friends of their life. And it's really special for me to see that they're still in touch with those people and they have little reunions and they travel all the way across the States or sometimes between the UK and America and visit each other and uh, visit each other at, at college or at home or wherever and and stay in touch and see each other. And so those friendships that you build on the course really are special. And I think I'm thinking of one girl in particular who did our semester course some time ago, who, who was a bit older and didn't know what she wanted to do. And was, I think, feeling quite stressed about the fact that all her friends had ended up at college and she hadn't. And she was on a second gap year and just really didn't see herself ever going to university, which which is totally fine for some people. It's not It's not for everyone. And she ended up on our course and she did the, the full semester course. And then the next year we had a really beautiful letter from her saying how much it meant to her and how she really has found her thing now. And she is applying to study in Florence and do a four-year course in art conservation. And so we were very happy to write her reference. She was a brilliant student, did so well on the course and really got the discussion going in every session and um and so we wrote her reference and she is now studying her I think in her second year at college in Florence and thriving there Aww. and it's so cool we, every time we're there now and we'll catch up with her and and hear about what she's up to so there's definitely a few students like that who just didn't really know what their passion was in life and then when we find out it's art history that's obviously really exciting for sure us. yeah <laughs> that makes sense do you want to transition to popcorn questions, Marco? Yes, sure. And thank you for sharing that story, Holly. I think that it's really cool is, to just see yeah. see the different ways in which your program can impact students and how you've been able to follow that transition. I think that's why we're all in this industry and in different ways for each of us, obviously. But yeah, really cool to hear. And so obviously, I know that you are an avid traveler yourself per your Instagram feed and your incredible photos that you take. But curious. What's your, what's your handle? <laughs> is your handle public? Yeah. Okay. Public. Tell us what it is. It's Holly Mori, H-O-L-L-Y-M-O-R-R-I. 
<laughs> yes, I I honestly get some um, wanderlust just following Holly's feed we're, myself. We're the follow. <laughs> we're the follow. Um, <laughs> but curious, Holly, what is your favorite European travel destination? Oh my goodness. Oh, that's such a tough one. Um, I I mean, I really should say Italy and I think I probably do mean it. <laughs> it. It is just the most extraordinary place. And I've spent so much time in the cities of Italy, but this last summer I finally went into the mountains and went hiking in the Dolomites. Mm-hmm. And it really just, it has everything to offer, beaches and mountains and skiing and culture and the best food. So yeah, I guess okay. Italy right. is the one. When I come on my European adventure to visit you, then we'll have to go there. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Mites. Let's record some podcasts there. <laughs> Perfect. Destination pod. Yes. Yeah, destination pod. Ooh, that like could that. be a whole side podcast. Oh my yes. goodness. Okay. Do you need That's, a, a we'll, third we're, host? We're gonna we're gonna sidebar about this after the show. <laughs> Perfect. Related popcorn question, but slightly different. You are also known to be the most prolific Airbnb on the Gap Year Fair circuit. <laughs> Holly is, has a reputation of always kind of making the most of traveling across the U.S. for these Gap Year Fairs. Not just doing the Motel 6 like some of us, me, but, um, <laughs> but actually, you know, traveling and seeing some sights and really making the most of being on the road. So what in your travels over the past five years in the States has been the most memorable Airbnb stay? Ooh, Love that question. Uh, and I do love an Airbnb. I waste far too much time on that website. But I, for sure, my most memorable Airbnb. Oh, actually, gosh, now that I say it. <laughs> um, either a tree house that I stayed at in Bellingham. I love Washington State. And I love driving up through Chuckanut Drive and by the ocean. So that was a really cool, great host. And I stayed in a tree house right above the ocean, but surrounded by madrone trees. Uh-huh. And it had a hot tub. Last year, we stayed in a cabin, Margot, myself, and a few other of our colleagues who from the from the travels on the road and we were completely cut off from all uh, all of society no wi-fi no phone signal um and quite far into the the forest of big sur national state park national park mm-hmm. and we just spent the whole night playing really silly games and hiding fruit and finding <laughs> fruit <laughs> It's more fun than it sounds, I promise. <laughs> For the the annual Big Sur road trip of the California yeah. circuit. That's the part that feels like summer camp. Yeah. But that was a very cool cabin to stay in. Awesome. Yeah. Holly, thank you so much for being on the show. I love the passion that comes out. When you start talking about Italy, you can hear that this is something that you really, really care about and that you love to travel and that you love to impart these amazing educational experiences on gap year students. So, Margot, can you tell um, tell the world where they can find Holly in our history abroad as well as gap year radio? Yes, absolutely. So you can find Holly and Art History Abroad at AHA Courses on Instagram and I believe Facebook as well. And you can also find them online at www.arthistoryabroad.com. And you can find us here at Gap Year Radio on Instagram and Facebook at Gap Year Radio or online at gapyearradiopodcast.com. And you can email us your gap year questions or comments at gapyearradio at gmail.com. You can download our show wherever you find your favorite podcasts. And if you have a moment, we'd love for you to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts so that more people can discover Gap Year Radio. And Holly, I know that we've told you that our sign-off is always in another language. (laughs) And you were kind of going back and forth about which language to choose because you're multilingual, kind of. <laughs> You're multilingual in the goodbye category anyway. So, how are you going to how are we going to sign off today? Well, I think we're going to we're going to stick with the Italian theme and we'll go with ciao. Ciao. All right. Simple ciao. and sweet. Ciao guys. Ciao. ciao. <laughs> Thanks for being here, Holly. Thanks so much for having me.